is nothing important to report on impeachment today. Just the usual partisan wranglings back and forth when something happens. I like the stunt by the Republicans storming the room. It's just they're all such phonies. Both sides are disingenuous phonies on this stuff right now. And so there's no, you know, some people really enjoy the partisan, uh, you know, uh, sniping back and forth. I think some people really like that. I don't Clearly. I'm just worn out. Of course, how many people like it? You look at the cable news numbers and uh, Well, it does, doesn't mean they're following it on a day-by-day basis, which right. I don't think most people are at all. Yeah. But they're, they're, they're um, what, about a third on each side that uh, you see your side's decisions as always virtuous and the other side's is always evil. It, <clears throat> I see a lot of both sides stunting and being phony, but... Well, sure, that's why political pros are so cynical. They're not true believers in what they're pitching to you. None of them are. They're cyn- they know they have certain tools and weapons and techniques to get your attention, get you all riled up and, and do stunts and put out statements and leak to the press and the rest of it. But it's not about m- making your life better. It's about them holding on to power. And I don't particularly feel like being a tool of either side. Here's I mean, I have my beliefs and the policies I think are best, and they tend to swing right. And I'm, I'm perfectly proud of that. But that doesn't mean I want to be a spokesperson for some dip s you know, Republican political hack. That'll work itself out one way or the other. We'll figure out the whole Ukraine phone call, uh, you know, deal thing. Um, the other thing that's going to happen any day is they're going to come out with that report because they've been studying the origin of the the dossier and the, the listening in on Trump's phone calls during the campaign. They've been studying that for quite a while, and that's supposed to come out any day. Mm-hmm. And when that comes out, that could be some really earth-shattering news. It could be, especially if your name is Comey or Brennan or Clapper. Right. And listen, my lefty friends, do you want to live in a world where whichever administration is in power, whichever party, they can wield the FBI and the CIA and everybody else against their political opponents. I mean, old uh, old Don Trump sends Rudy Giuliani over to see if there's any dirt on Biden and Ukraine, and, and you act like that's the apocalypse. Can you imagine using the power of the presidency and all of the executive branch to target your political opponents? It's, it's a horror. It's an unimaginable transgression of our system of government. But if it's your side, you're okay with it? Come on, you're better than that. Anyway, Except that, those of you who aren't better than that, you're not. That could happen any day, and that'll <laughs> be fun to talk about. So, listen, if I, uh, I've i got a couple of ideas for my lifelong crusade as I'm looking at my dwindling days on the planet. Wow. Just trying to be realistic here, Jack. Trying to look mortality in the face. I'm trying, but I'm not good at it. Anyway, um, one of my jihads definitely is fighting against the indoctrination of America's young people by outer 2% ideological lunatics on our nation's college campuses. Because it's that crazy. You know, when I'm engaging in hyperbole to try to entertain you or whatever, I'll, I'll go like this. I'll make that motion with my hand. This ain't that. Seriously. The stuff that's being pitched to our kids on college campuses is way out there. And and if it were harmless, that would just be kind of amusing or troubling because you're wasting your money. But it's brutal, brutal ideological rhetoric, which 
is is bent on gaining power and oppressing people and indeed quashing any dissent and and what's really scary about some of this is it mass quashers that's exactly what they are what's really distressing about a lot of this stuff is that it dresses up as compassion and goodness and just trying to protect the downtrodden <clears throat> we join with our uh, our friends kind of friends they we well we wish they were our friends uh, Greg Lukianoff and Jonathan Haidt and the folks behind uh, campus reform and others uh, in fighting against these speech codes on university campuses because it's if you can you know limit language and you can silence people well you've got a huge hand up um, and so campus reform went on campus recently and they were talking you know how this got started is not important but they're asking college kids about free speech and speech codes and hate speech and stuff like that and what's striking to me is how the simplest, most reasonable, most calm and friendly questioning, they realize they have no reasoning behind what they believe. Anyway, let's go with the clip number 23 first. Where do you think the line should be drawn on what speech should be allowed and then what speech crosses a line and shouldn't be allowed on campuses? I think free speech is important as long as you can do it in a respectful manner that doesn't degrade other people. I think that people are allowed to have your opinion, but as long as you're not being hateful towards other people and, you know, causing an issue. On one hand, uh, hate speech obviously is something you don't want having go around, but I do think everyone is entitled to their opinion. Um, well, it's very obviously put right before, like, hate speech and, like, things that people know is obviously wrong there's obviously things that maybe don't need to be said but if that's how someone feels like they should be allowed to say it like and they'll get their own consequences for that but like if you have an opinion whether it's right or wrong or whether it's like mean or nice like it's your opinion it's amazing how often the uh, the concept of mean or not nice comes up in those conversations so that was fine. That at last guy was actually quite reasonable. I didn't mind her. Hey, um, I don't want to get right to twenty four if I understand what it's about. Let's let's do a clip twenty one. Where do you think the line should be drawn on what speech should be allowed, and then what speech crosses a line and shouldn't be allowed on campuses? Um, I think if it's like hateful and like disrespectful to specific groups, then that's not okay. But I can be disrespectful to you though, right? I have the right, right? Yeah, but it's not nice. <laughs> but does the Constitution say I have to be nice, though? No, I don't know. It's okay to disagree, but you have to do it respectfully and in an adult manner, because if you're going to talk about free speech, then you need to back it up with facts and not just your personal opinion. But as far as having the right to speak up, I, I'm allowed yeah, to be disrespectful, right? right? No. I am, though, right? I mean, the First Amendment says I can I can speak out. I mean, if you want to be an ass, that's your life choice. <laughs> but it's more about having the right to do so. Um, I, I don't think so. Wow. Interesting. And then the, uh, he uh, turns his questioning a little bit to the question of, uh, funding this number 24. President Trump this week is signing an executive order saying that if a university does not defend the First Amendment on campus and students' free speech rights, that they could lose taxpayer funding. What's your thought on that? Do you think that's a positive or negative step? I feel like it's positive. I mean, 
I feel like to a certain extent free speech is really important especially for young people today because there's so many things that like we have a different take on than people who are in power like, universities like regardless of their personal like beliefs need to like allow their students to have their own thoughts seems like a reasonable idea but I personally don't really like Trump so I feel like there's like some undercurrent that I probably wouldn't agree with to be honest <laughs> it shouldn't be the university against the student and um, there's so many controversial topics that need to be like exploited and talked about so our university should be behind that like behind like liberating the ideas that students have I mean I kind of agree with it that they okay. they shouldn't be allowed to you know get those taxpayer dollars yeah I guess so because if they're getting like state funding I don't really know I get see where you're coming from because like free speech is a white well, like, all right that's good that, I think they've made the point they're making it over and over again that um I appreciated hearing, you know, it's funny that when he turned it to losing funding, uh, you know, I'm sure he selected what questions he wanted um, or what answers he wanted on his tape. But um, the the thing about the free speech deal is you can you can get the kids and the administrators to back off pretty quickly because they have no foundation for this argument. And so it doesn't seem like that big a deal, except that. The really radical, dangerous stuff, the, the, uh, what's the, uh, the, what do you call it? Race theory and the, the, uh, critical race theory. Yeah. Critical race theory and the intersectionality stuff. That's where it gets really brutal and awful, um, and, and sick and, and really twisted. But if they, and the, uh, the critical race theory people want any dispute of their reasoning labeled as racism. And hatred to oppose them is to be a racist. And they're trying very, very hard to get that notion to catch on with people. You're either anti-racist or you're a racist. In other words, you're either with us or you should be silenced on the basis of being a racist. So that's why it's so incredibly important to keep these idiot speech codes off campuses and let people express themselves freely because... You've got to be able to oppose that sort of thinking and let somebody call you a racist all day long. If you're not, you're not. So would, uh, I don't know what the average age of those people were, but but but, but uh, somewhere between 19 and 22, I'm guessing. Uh, does that what a 21-year-old sounded like 50 years ago? Headed off to uh, the real world, getting married, <sighs> having kids and that sort of stuff? I mean, because they sound like children. I don't want to be a belligerent old guy. Well, I'm belligerent and an old guy, so I don't know how to avoid that. That's a good point. But um, but they sound like children. They really do. And I think you got a couple of things at work. Number one, previous generations were allowed to do way, way, way more free play and interaction, making of their own rules, enforcing their own rules, settling their own disputes, exploring the world on their own. So they were much more sophisticated than our carefully guided little calf children. You'd have had a days. lot more of them that had a. Uh, I'm sorry, I got to get going to my job. There would have been a lot more of that. Years right. Ago. Plus, and study after study has shown this. This is not a belligerent old guy saying this. College freshmen come into school knowing much less than they used to. They learn much less than. When they're there and they graduate knowing less. Yeah, because that, that's where I was going also, because it seemed like, you know, they're probably plenty bright enough, but it seems like that's not something they've ever spent much time thinking about or learning about. Right. It's Which, kind of a new concept, really. Well, yeah. And, and listen, I'm not angry at these kids or, or here to mock them. I might, but I'm not here to mock them. Um, 
it's pretty clear they don't even have two-inch deep reasoning on the question of free speech and the free exchange of ideas, which is not only perhaps the most cherished principle that we have in this country, but also the very basis of the idea of a university. I don't think I learned much about it in high school, though. It's hard to remember, but I don't think, other than just, you know, it's one of the amendments, I'm sure I had to memorize it, but I don't think we ever got into the nitty-gritty of what it means and the challenges throughout the years and what's been upheld and what hasn't and that sort of stuff. I'm pretty sure we never did that in high school. Yeah. So I wouldn't have had much knowledge until I ran into some sort of constitutional law class or something. Yeah, I think we maybe had a little more of it than you did, judging by our conversations in the past, but it was not much, and it was certainly not enough. God, why wouldn't it be, geez, an entire class for a whole year? God, I could read Just a chapter and verse. I could write a book. I could write a, an opera about the Stamp Act. Yeah. You know, and, and <laughs> write an opera that might work. Various, <laughs> please, um, and various you know minor aspects of things that happened in the American Revolution, but the government that took shape and why the idea of self-governance, the First Amendment, which covers a number of the most cherished freedoms uh, in the Western world. Yeah, we barely even touch on that. Oh, speaking of education. Seattle schools are going to lead a controversial push to rehumanize math. The other headline from Reason.com, Seattle Public Schools will start teaching that math is oppressive. We got that. I want to hear about that. We've got uh, top 10 Halloween costumes for pets this year. We've got AOC grilling Zuckerberg, which I've heard a lot about but actually haven't heard. All on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. Show. So it is one by the Joe Getty album. Uh, wherever music is streamed and traded and the rest of it. Oh, Apple Music, iTunes, your Spotify, your Amazon Music, your wherever else. Gotcha. Uh, I got stalled halfway through doing the band camp site because I, I don't know. It's taking a long time and I got winded. <laughs> um, AOC grilling Zuckerberg yesterday. That's uh, a popular young representative of the left grilling the guy who runs Facebook yesterday. Um, Marshall's got that in his newscast coming up in a little bit. It's getting a heck of a lot of attention, and uh, it's pretty interesting, so we'll hear about that coming up. Do we have that tape of Maxine Waters grilling him as well? Facebook, it's an embarrassment. Facebook usage dropped 26% since 2017. It has? Yeah. Holy cow! That's How a, have I not heard that until now? That's a heck now. of a drop. Where have you been hiding this story? That's amazing. Well, I think it's practically MySpace. I'll bet they've been hiding this story. Yeah. Um. And my wife works with a lot of college kids. Uh, emphasis on kids, as we just heard, but um, with internship program and everything like that. And Facebook is just a non-existent thing in their lives. Just, it just isn't a thing. Right. Um. I don't recall hearing any of my kids who are all in their twenties now uh, mention it. <laughs> 
Yeah. It's it's an older person's thing. The you know the rate of usage has dropped that much. It's gone from everybody on Earth to everybody except yeah, him. It, it still has two billion users worldwide, yeah. which is just the scale of that is incredible. But the advertising doesn't work. Don't waste your money. Uh, young people have moved. Uh, people twelve to thirty four have moved away from Facebook and toward uh, Instagram, which is owned by Facebook. Which Facebook owns. So Zuckerberg, fine, go over there. I don't care. Yeah. Use my other chain store that I own, uh, Snapchat and TikTok, are where people are going. What's the nature of TikTok? I'm hearing that more often, more uh, and more often. Positive, Sean. Uh, remember Vine? Vine, oh, yeah, the, the short, short videos. videos. Yeah. It's 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 the modern version of Vine. Vine went the way of the dodo. This has a little bit longer videos allowed. Uh, seems to be really connected to music snippets, like you do little quick little dance vignettes of music stuff or sing along with things that that that's what it that sounds was. stupid oh most social media is good yeah, point yeah people now belong to an average of 5.8 social networks so you're not just doing one right. i've got one and it's through work and if i didn't have that i wouldn't do any but i'm a curmudgeon but uh yeah the average person 5.8 different social networks that you're involved in that's uh pretty amazing and then what was that is stat- it possible to be a curmudgeon without being a luddite I'm sure you can. I'm a Luddite and a curmudgeon. But, I see. Um, uh, amazing stat that uh, Sean came across yesterday. Where did you hit it? Well, I don't have time for that. I'll hit you with that coming up. What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, we have got AOC grilling Facebook's Zuckerberg. We'll have uh, clips from that. Trump's very realistic comments about the situation in Syria. And be ready, my friends. Christmas has arrived. No, it hasn't. And I got to get the top 10 pet uh, costumes for 2019. You know what my dog's dressing up as? A dog! He's an animal! He doesn't want to wear a costume! He's not cognizant! He just don't do it! bunch of texts because we were playing those clips of college kids talking about free speech, uh, mentioning how often they use the word like. My um, seven-year-old said the other day, he said, I think I say like too much. Wow. I got to cut back on how often I say like. And I thought, what an interesting thing to come up with on your own. He does say like a tremendous amount. Yeah. I've never mentioned it because we got a bigger fish to fry. Right. But um, he, just, he just said that out of nowhere. And then, and then like the next day he said, it's almost lunchtime and I haven't said like yet today. What a fascinating kid. What an odd thing to do with your... I have spent a fair amount of time amongst college students in the last quite a few years, and they say like a tremendous amount. And so does most of the population, honestly. Sure, sure. Speaking crutch or the uh, habit of the time or whatever. Um, News now with Marsha Phillips. Well, New York Democrat Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has issues with Facebook's advertisement policy. The freshman congresswoman grilled CEO Mark Zuckerberg during a congressional hearing about the social media giant's decision not to fact-check political ads. Do you see a potential problem here with a complete lack of fact-checking on political advertisements? Well, Congresswoman, I think lying is bad, and I think if you were to run an ad that had a lie, that would be bad. That's different from it being, uh, from it, from, for in our position, the right thing to do to prevent uh, your constituents or people in an election from seeing that you had lied. AOC asking Zuckerberg about testing the limits of Facebook's uh, uh, policies. 
Would I be able to run advertisements on Facebook targeting Republicans in primary saying that they voted for the Green New Deal? I mean, if you're not fact-checking political advertisements, I'm just trying to understand the, the bounds here. What's fair Congresswoman, game? I, uh, I don't know the answer to that off the top of my head. I think So probably. you don't know if I'll be able to do that? I think how can he not answer questions like that? Right. He said probably. He needs, <laughs> yeah, probably. He needs a guy he, or a gal. Hey, Mark, step aside. Here's the answer. If we wade into what is true and what is not true and what's partially true but misleading and what's really mean and, and inappropriate in politics, that's what politics is. Are you sure you want us as the arbiter of what ad you can run about your opponent? Now, my I haven't I hadn't heard this yet. I just read a little bit about it. It seemed from watching Twitter news that she was getting credit from all different political quarters for going after Zuckerberg on a lot of this stuff. From what I've seen, um, but he 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 always. He always comes off as a guy, and maybe he's doing this on purpose. He comes off as a guy is like hasn't thought about some of these things. That's yeah, first time anybody's asked, even though it's clearly not. I, I think the strategy is, and it's worked in the past with Congress. Is you know I'm not sure about that. I'll have to check with people at a lower level to see. Right. He acts like he's not the guy who decides these major decisions about how his company is run. Listen, Sandy, I just said, <laughs> here's the deal. I see a fact checker. Fact check column. That's what you're talking about, right? I see that column, and then I see a different fact check. Fact check that fact check, and they realize the first fact check is completely devoid of facts. Or those quote-unquote facts are entirely opinions. So who do you want me to listen to, Sandy? The Washington Post fact checker, PolitiFact, which is a wildly partisan organization. Who is the voice of truth that you want me to rely on? There's no answer to that question. Can we play the other clip we've got? Of AOC and Zuckerberg, and I don't know if this is the one I want or not, but there's there's another one I want to hear at which some point. Which two did you play, Marshall? That would be seven and nine okay. ones I played. Play the one that's not those. So you won't take down lies or you will take down lies? I think it's just a pretty simple yes or no. Congresswoman, uh, in... I'm not talking about spin. I'm talking about actual disinformation. Yes, in a democracy, I believe that people should be able to see for themselves what politicians that they may or may not vote for are saying. So you won't take them down. So you won't take... You may flag that it's wrong, but you won't take it down. Uh, Congresswoman, it's... uh, it depends on the context that it shows up. Organic post. He, he Where is, is the line between spin and a lie, Sandy? That's what I'd ask. Yeah, but he's uh, terrible at answering yeah. these questions. Yes. But it well, might, well, but it might be a strategy. If she ran an ad, an ad saying these Republicans voted for the Green New Deal, that's not spin. Right. If, right. if you send out ads yeah, saying no, voting no, day Sean, is on Wednesday. The problem is not the clear ones. The problem is the not clear ones. But a lot of people are advocating yeah. advocating taking down the clear ones. Don't don't give him that power. So he was also asked about at what point did you know about Cambridge Analytica, which uh, I haven't heard what his answer was on that because that's a that's oh. a good one. Yeah, yeah. She asked him that. Do you want that, that? That's the first like minute and a half of the. Uh, maybe at want... some point okay. we'll get to that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I I can't figure out if it's a, it's got to be yeah. a strategy. He has to know. He has to be intimately involved in these discussions of how much we're going to police stuff. Or maybe he's not. Maybe he's got so much freaking money now, he's huh. 
I can think of one business we know of that became very successful, and the people at the top now are barely aware of what's going on. Sure. Because they got plenty of money, and they said, ah, you worry about it. I'll let the managers worry about it. Maybe he's doing that now. I don't know. You know, the more I think about it, the more I am impressed at the strategy of just giving some stammering non-answers as if you've never heard of the issue before. <laughs> Everybody will get bored and move along. It, you know, he may be a super genius at PR, even if he, if he comes off as a bumbling idiot. See, Sean, to dive a little bit more deeply into my answer, I don't want any tech guy to be the arbiter of truth at all. Partly because if somebody runs an ad saying, Joe Getty voted for the Green New Deal and I didn't, I want people to know that they're trying to do that. And then I can say, look at these guys and what liars they are, and let it play out. I don't want tech guys to have any power uh, other than like what's clearly slander but or illegal he, speech. But her previous question before the, the Green New Deal example was, if, if I run a, a campaign targeting certain voter blocks saying that election is on Thursday when it's really on Tuesday, they'll take that one down. Right, so there are times where the, he will step in and say, "No, no, no, that's demonstrably yep. false. Right. We need to take that out." Right. She then followed up with the Green New Deal example, and he said, "No, you could probably." That's do why that. it gets right. so difficult yeah. once you start down the road, like when we played that stuff last year, whenever it was about how the sexual stuff. It started with no nipples. Well, here we've got a breastfeeding campaign. Right. Well, we're going to allow that. Right. Well, if you're going to allow that, are you going to... What just about got... an adult in a diaper who's breastfeeding? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. How about a woman who's simultaneously breastfeeding and engaged in an act of love? <laughs> it gets really complicated really and fast. And what if she's a congresswoman and she has a hairbrush? It's, <laughs> it's an, it is an impossible yeah, yeah. situation for Facebook to be in. Right. As the biggest platform for information that's ever existed on the planet by far. There's never been a close... Even a close second. Want to give you a quick update on a story that has really, really gone national. Northern California authorities ordering the entire town of Geyserville evacuated because of a wind-driven wildfire that is raging through the wine country north of San Francisco. The Sonoma County Sheriff's Office issuing the orders for immediate evacuation of that community shortly before dawn. That's a look at your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, The Conscience of the Nation. Yeah, I, I've long thought with Twitter, and uh, although this doesn't work in practice, but that Twitter, Facebook, it's just got to be everything goes. Because once you start eliminating things, it gets. But then you got okay, so child porn. Well, no, all right. Now you've started down the road, right? Yep. Of the the example Sean gave about uh, announcing that the election is on Thursday, which uh, I don't know why that's so funny to me, but it is. Um, <laughs> I would think Congress might step up and and brand that some sort of uh, vote suppression or electioneering yeah. or something like that. Yeah. That was the um, distinction he was yeah. trying to make, too. The difference yeah. between if, it, if it's just wrong, then we'll allow it. But if it actively suppresses voter... Voter suppression was the term right. that he was using. Yeah. But, but that needs to be very narrowly drawn. Yeah. Because yeah. there are a lot of things that political pros do to suppress voting. Mostly in trying to uh, gut your enthusiasm for your candidate or your party or whatever. By uh, saying maybe the Republican in your area voted for the Green New Deal. Right. right. Yeah. And then you're into some really shaky ground. I just, yeah, I'm, I, uh, you know, to quote Thomas Jefferson, I'm much more comfortable with the uh, dirty, scrappy, animated contest of freedom than uh, calm servitude. And or the control of these tech guys, because I know which way they swing, for one thing. I don't trust them. I don't trust their people. I don't trust their carefully constituted bipartisan board of censors. I just don't. 
Yeah, so the Facebook thing was, we should dig this back up because it was so interesting at the time, and I don't know how many people have heard it. So they're trying to figure out what to do with a variety of nudity situations. Right. And so they banned nipples. Yes. But then the problem was you had had some woman breastfeeding a kid in a starving area of Africa. What, you're not going to allow that on as a news story? So they did... But then you end up with, like, adult guys breastfeeding on their wives or something. (laughs) Showing up. You know, you have to admire the ingenuity. (laughs) Yeah, that was was a funny, funny tape. I remember when we played that. Yeah, really, really interesting, too. Yeah. It was the people that had sat in these meetings explaining what you guys were just talking about. How it just goes little by little, and then you get into Weirdville really quick. Right. Well, I thought it was a, also a beautiful illustration of the problem with centrally planned economies. They all got together. They're bureaucrats, in essence, and maybe they were of the, the purest motive, but they got together and they figured out how to ban the naughty human parts, those human parts no one should see from their platform. And they all said, all right, it's fabulous. We have a, a policy. And then... Quite literally, 90 seconds later, some weirdo somewhere figured a way around it. And then by the time the bureaucrats got together again... So a guy who breastfeeds uh, on his wife is a weirdo in your world. You know, that was a little judgmental, and I apologize. I apologize. So by the time the bureaucrats got together for the second round of their central planning, the world had innovated around it, and they were already way behind. Mm -hmm. And so even during that second meeting, the period of their second meeting, the world was figuring out how to get around the conclusions of the second meeting before they even had them. And so central planners are always so wildly behind the free market, including the free market for pictures of nipples, apparently. Which are on the internet from what I've been told. <laughs> Sick. Shark is the number 10 most popular costume for people's pets for this Halloween. I'll get the top nine for you in a little bit. Dress your dog as a dog. Dress your cat as a cat. Your pet does not have a calendar? Did I mention He's to- not going to notice that Halloween came and went. Did I mention to you that my son has gone over to Team Cat? Oh, boy. Wow. All the things your kids could do, will do, whatever. That's the one that seems to really bother you. Oh, boy. The kid who's into cats. Are you sure you're not gay or a Yankees fan? (laughs) Something I can accept? (laughs) Anything? You're an anarchist? So you say you've joined Antifa, son. That's interesting. But not a a cat owner. Oh Oh, oh, oh. Oh, boy, the challenge is parenting. That and uh, and much much more. I don't. We don't. We got to decide what. There's too much to choose from. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So I remember listening to like an hour of this a year or so ago and learning about the challenges Facebook and Twitter and everybody else has in in censoring stuff. A lot of us uh, have howled about things, um, but when you get down to the nitty-gritty of allowing either 
pornography or extremist political views or whatever. Or lies. Or lies. Mm -hmm. It's pretty hard to stop for a variety of reasons. And I think what really bothered me about some of the tape we played and some more we can play later with Congress is they all act, they take a tone like it's easy. It's clear. When it's not, it's not at all. And Zuckerberg takes a tone like, I've never even heard of this discussion before. (laughs) Go figure. Um, but so, who was this that did this, Sean? Uh, this is from the podcast Radio Lab, uh, based out of New York City. Yeah, they do a nice job. And they were were they reading the transcript, or they were involved themselves? No, I believe they got hands on either accounts of employees who were involved in this, or there were transcripts of meetings that they got. So they were they were reacting to uh, leaked documents, essentially from uh, internal Facebook right. meetings of Facebook trying to figure out how they're going to handle their 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 censorship rules. By then, nudity was already not allowed on the site, but they had no definition for nudity. They just said no nudity. Oh, and the the premise of this is uh, mothers posting pictures of breastfeeding were receiving complaints, and the the the, the free the nipple campaign and were yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. By then, nudity was already not allowed on the site, but they had no definition for nudity. They just said <laughs> no nudity, and so the site integrity team, the, those twelve people at the time, they they realized they had to start spelling out exactly what they meant. Precisely, all of these people at Facebook were in charge of trying to define nudity. So I mean, yeah, the first cut at it. Was was visible male and female genitalia, and then visible female breasts. And then the question is, well, okay, how much of a breast needs to be showing before it's nude? And the thing that we landed on was if you could see essentially the nipple and areola, then that's nudity. And it would have to be taken down, which theoretically at least would appease these protesters because, you know, now when a picture would pop up of a mother breastfeeding, as long as the child was blocking the view of the nipple and the areola, they, they could say, cool, no problem. Then you start getting pictures that are women with just their babies on their chest with their breasts bare. Like, for example, maybe baby was sleeping on the chest of a bare-breasted woman and not actively breastfeeding. Okay, now what? Like, is this actually breastfeeding? No, it's actually not breastfeeding. The woman is just holding the baby and she has her top off. No, but she was clearly just breastfeeding the baby. Well, like well, I would before. say... Well, I would say it's sort of like kicking a soccer ball. Like a photo of someone who has just kicked the soccer ball, you can tell the ball is in the air, but there is no contact between the foot and the ball in that moment, potentially. (laughs) So although it is a photo of someone kicking a soccer ball, they are not, in fact, kicking the soccer ball in that photo. (laughs) And this this became the procedure or the, the protocol or the approach for all these things, was we have to base it purely on what we can see in the image. And so... They didn't allow that to stay up under the rules because it could be too easily exploited for other types of content like nudity or pornography. We got to the only way you could objectively say that the baby and the mother were engaged in breastfeeding is if the baby's lips were touching the woman's nipple. So they included what you could call like an attachment clause. But as soon as they got that rule in place. Like you would see, you know, a 25-year-old woman and a teenage-looking boy, right? And, like, what the hell is going on there? Oh, yeah, it gets really weird if you, like, start entering into, like, child age. I wasn't even going to bring that up because it's kind of gross. <laughs> it's like breastfeeding porn. Is that a thing? Are there sites? like do they have Apparently. That? And so this team, they realized they needed to have a nudity rule that uh, allowed for breastfeeding, but also had some kind of an age cap. So, so, uh, so then we were saying, okay, once you've progressed past infancy, then we believe that it's inappropriate. But then 
pictures would start popping up on their screen and they'd be like, wait, is that an infant? Like, where's the line between infant and toddler? And so the thing that we landed on was if it looked like the child could walk on his or her own, then too old. <laughs> Big enough to walk? Too big to breastfeed. Oh, that could be 18 oh, well, that's months. Like, yeah, that's like a year old in some cases. Yeah, and like the World Health Organization recommends breastfeeding until, you know, like 18 months or two years, which meant there were a lot of photos still being taken down. Within, you know, days, we uh, continuing to hear reports from people that their photographs were still being targeted. But... Facebook did offer a statement saying... You know, that's where we're going to draw the line. Facebook isn't budging on its policy... That wow. is that is really something. Wow. You know the <laughs> the ankle or the calf was a highly sexualized object in Victorian England. Mm-hmm. The turn of the century in the United States. Any woman who would show her calf even on a beach was clearly a prostitute. <laughs> Maybe it would <laughs> Sean enjoyed that one. Maybe it would help to just demystify the breast and get on with our lives. Right, but this isn't about the breast. It's about when it gets to the political stuff, too. I sure, mean, that's why it's so flipping hard. I'm kind of stuck on the breasts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because the breast, the breast thing is simple compared to politics. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Well said. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> if a kid can walk under his own steam. That's an idiotic standard. <laughs> what, are you measuring the baby's quads in this scenario? How, how, are, you, how are you determining that? Yeah, what, so if it can almost walk, yes. If it's taken three steps consecutively, no. Take that picture down, it's porn. Now, you remember You remember when we met Jack? I worked uh, with a guy. He's a wonderful guy. Absolutely terrific guy. But his wife was still breastfeeding their kid at age, I think, seven. Oh, wow. It, 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 That's too late. I think it was six. A little Game of Thronesy. <laughs> A little bit. Um, that's old. Yeah, that's. Uh, but who am I to judge? I'm me, and I'm judgmental. <laughs> it 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 weirded me out a little bit. I'm not going to lie to you. Kid would walk in. Hey, how you doing? Then get to breastfeeding. Time for dinner, mom. 